0: We will go out one night, take Liam to get some ice cream in downtown North Myrtle Beach, sitting there on the sidewalk eating, and here's this young couple next to us with a stroller and a baby, and they're wearing UK stuff, and they're from the neighboring county where we grew. We're taking over the world if you don't know it, okay? We really are. That's just, that's just the way it is. And I know sometimes people think we go a little bit over the top. I mean, I've got some Kentucky games on my calendar through 2019 already. And I will plan this church's schedule around that schedule. <laughs> and Those of you who know me know I'm telling the truth. I'm not exaggerating. <laughs> We're, I, I, I don't, that's just how we are. It's, it's, it's a kinship over basketball. Now some of you are thinking, where are you going with this, right? What's this have to do with the sermon? Here's what I want you to do. I want, to, I want you to do something, okay? I want you to look around the room right now. Just look around, okay? Just look around the room and look at people. Just, just look at people behind you to the side in front. Just go ahead and survey the crowd and look at one another. Now, here's the question I want to ask you. How, how do you feel about the people you're looking at? Now, I'm not talking about your spouse. <laughs> how, as you look around this room, what thoughts come to mind? What emotions come to mind? Because I tell you, I, I can meet a Kentucky fan in any country, not just in the States, but in any country, and it'll be gold, big, blue. I mean, a lot of Kentucky fans, we take Kentucky flags with us when we travel and take photographs and post them on different uh, blogs and stuff. But as you look around this room, at the people in this place, what do you feel? Do you feel love? Do, Do you see somebody that maybe you're mad at? Somebody you don't like? Do you feel anything? Is it just, well, I'm here and it's just apathy? It's just not much. I'm just, I'm here. I don't feel much. When you look around the room, what happens? What do you think? How do you feel? See, this sermon series we're starting today titled One Another, we're going to look at what God says in the Bible about the way you and I as believers in Jesus are supposed to feel about one another and, more importantly, how we're supposed to treat one another. So I invite you to open your Bible to the book of 1 Peter, chapter 4. Each Sunday, we're going to look at a different passage and focus on some of the practical things it says we're supposed to do in relationship to one another as followers of Jesus Christ. Now this morning we're going to lay the foundation and look at a couple of very practical things. But I want us to read together in 1 Peter chapter 4 starting at verse 8. And because of time, we're only going to look at verses 8 through 10. So would you stand with me as we read in honor of God's Word. 1 Peter chapter 4 starting at verse number 8. The Bible says this. Above all, Keep fervent in your love for one another. Why? Because love does what? It covers a multitude of sins. Verse 9. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each one, as everyone, as each of us has received a special gift, Employ it. Put it into service, into work. Employ it in, in serving one another as good stewards, as good managers of the manifold or the various expressions of God's grace. Holy Spirit, we, we ask that you take the truth of this passage and penetrate our hearts and minds that we as your family might reflect what it means to be your family. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Now, what I want to do is use three words to describe what he's talking about in these three verses. One word for each verse and then talk about it and how it relates to us as believers and how we're to feel about one another and treat one another. And verse 8, look at it. Let's read it again, just verse 8. He says, Above all, above everything, Keep fervent in your love for one another because love covers a multitude of sins. This is the foundational truth. And the word that I want to use for that verse is the word love. Now it's foundational. Later we're going to look at what does it mean practically to love somebody as a fellow believer. But love is the word. And what's interesting is Paul chose to use the word agape here. As you know, that's God's type of love. It's the word that's used in John 3, 16 when the Bible says, God so loved the world, he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have every lasting love. That's agapao. that's agape, God's type of love. It's a sacrificial love. It's a love that says, I'm going to look at someone else and and do what I think is beneficial for that person, what will help, what will serve the need in that person's life. It's, um, if you will, it's what grandparents do for grandchildren. When uh, we were at the beach and Liam, our grandson, wanted a milkshake, what do you think I did? I got him a milkshake. I didn't care what his parents thought. (laughs) And I got him the large one, not the small one, the big sucker. I got him the big one, and I got one too. (laughs) We're sitting on the beach. I've got a new book I want to read. It's about the, the summer of revolution, uh, 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 a history of, of 1776. I'm, I'm sitting there, and I'm reading that in my chair, and I'm comfortable. And I like to go down to the water, and the waves splash up on me, and my book gets wet, but that's all right. It's just a book, and I read it, and I'm having fun. I'm relaxing. I'm chilling. I'm not here. I'm nowhere. I'm there. I'm relaxed. And all of a sudden, he comes over, six years old, a bundle of energy. Hey, Paul, let's go play in the water. Now, I don't want to play in the water. I want to sit there and relax. But he wants to play with his boogie board. So what do we do? I get up and I go out in the ocean with that boogie board and, and uh, uh, we quit when I can't go anymore because <laughs> he just loves it, okay? Because you, you understand that. We, we do it in marriage. We do it as parents. We do, we do it in our relationships that matter to us where sometimes we will inconvenience ourselves big ways, little ways, We'll sacrifice, we'll we'll go that extra mile because that's what love does, right? That's agape type love. But but here's the thing, that kind of love toward everybody in this room, it's not natural. I mean, you look around this room and there's a lot of people you don't know. And, And I got news for you, once a church gets beyond 60 people, you don't know everybody in that church. Everybody thinks if a church has 150, a small church, they know. No, you don't. Once a church moves beyond 60, you don't know everybody in that church. You think you do, but you don't. There's a lot of people in this room you don't know. It's not natural to look around this room and say, I love every." Now, you can say it, but to really, really feel it, really, really mean it, and really, really show it, it's not natural. Especially when you look around the room, and some of the ones you're looking at are kind of odd. I mean, just, hey, hey, now don't look this way, but you know, <laughs> right? It's not natural. But the Bible tells us in the book of Galatians, chapter 5, verse 22, that the fruit of the Spirit, what the Holy Spirit produces in us as followers of Christ, the first thing that's listed is what? Love. It's a work of the Holy Spirit. In the book of Romans chapter 5, the apostle Paul said the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through by the Holy Spirit who was given to us. It's a work that he, he does in us and produces in us and you and I as believers are to cooperate with the Holy Spirit and allow him to grow us, change us, and make us more loving. And here's the thing, if you're not more loving now than you were five years ago, something's wrong. Because genuine spiritual growth is going to show itself in how you treat people. In your growth, never going to be perfect, but there's going to be growth in love because he's producing that in us. Now, notice verse 8. He says that we are to keep fervent in our love for one another. The word translated in... My Bible, the New American Standard, as keep fervent. The NIV, I believe, translates it, love each other deeply. In another Bible, intense love. This this Greek word literally means to stretch out. So when, when he says keep your love fervent, what he's saying is stretch it out. Extend it. Reach it out. Because love is not love until it reaches out and touches somebody. Love is not love until you stretch it and it impacts somebody. It's just a word. It's just an emotion until you stretch it, until it touches. That's what he means by keeping it <coughs> fervent. And sometimes love gets stretched to the breaking point, right? Because it's not always easy to stretch it out there and touch somebody. It can can get out there and and become very uncomfortable, stretched to the breaking point. Listen, kids can do that to their parents. Some of you have dealt with the, the pain of a rebellious child in their teen years or college years or adult years. Maybe they've come home since. Maybe they haven't come home. And, and, and maybe there was estrangement in the relationship, and it stretched your love. And loving, loving that child hasn't been easy, right? I mean, you love them, but boy, there are times you wanted to, you, you know what you wanted to do to them. <laughs> wasn't easy. But, you, but as a parent, you, you choose love even when, when it's hard. And yeah, it gets stretched. But you don't let it break. While we were in uh, Kentucky, uh, we put uh, Monisa's mom in a nursing home, and her dad's been having a difficult time adjusting to that, being alone at night, the house is lonely, no one to talk to, and it's not been easy because some days he's not in his right mind, and he hasn't always been cooperative, and it's been challenging and those of you who've dealt with that know what I'm saying without me saying any more than that. And there have been times it's been very stressful for my wife when the phone beeps. We're, you know, we don't want it to beep. <laughs> and there, there have been moments she wanted to pull out her hair and scream. But what do you do? You, you choose to let love stretch. And, and through all the frustration and all the challenges, what do you do? You do what you have to do to help. Right? Isn't that exactly what Jesus did for us at Calvary? I mean, just just think about how far his love was stretched. Just, just, just think about all he endured to demonstrate love for us, to, to benefit us by dying on the cross to pay the penalty for our sin so we could be forgiven and be saved and be changed and have life and have heaven. But that's what love is, and and that's what he's talking about in this particular passage. And the problem is that too many Christians today just walk away. They walk away from God. They walk away from church. They walk away from their Sunday school class. They just walk away because they don't understand that biblical love, Christian love, sometimes it's going to get stretched. But what do you do? You keep loving. You don't walk away. And you and I need to reciprocate the love Jesus showed on that cross when he stretched out his arms for us between heaven and earth. We need to reciprocate that. And if you've never done that, you've never never reciprocated the love of Jesus by committing your life to him, I'm I'm asking you, I'm encouraging you to do that today. But notice he begins verse 8 by saying, Above all, we're to do this. And that means that this is foundational. It's above everything. It comes first in order of priority and importance. And everything else grows out of that. It's the foundation for our Christian life. And and he gives one reason. There's many reasons, but he gives one in this verse. He says, because it covers a multitude of sins. What does that mean? Does that mean we just ignore sin? Does it mean we just condone sin? No, sometimes sin has to be dealt with. It has to be confronted. I mean, did Jesus ignore our sin? He dealt with it, didn't he? When he was dying on the cross, what was he doing? He was dealing with our sin. It doesn't mean to condone sin, but covering a multitude of sins does mean that, that in Christian love, and this applies to your church, but think about applying this to your family. Sometimes you just have to overlook the small stuff. It is amazing how many marriages fall apart over the years because they never overlook the small stuff and all of those small irritations build up and build up and they criticize and they attack and they correct and they're this and they're that until eventually the relationship is destroyed. Same thing happens in a church. Love means sometimes you've got to overlook the small stuff. Covering a multitude of sin means forgiving the big stuff. I don't know how any marriage marriage survives without learning how to forgive. I, I don't know how any church can be healthy if the people in that church, if those who say I'm a follower of Christ don't learn how to forgive. Covering a multitude of sins because of love means you don't gossip. And if I really want to preach, I'd park here for the next 30 minutes. Because we, we have this tendency in our churches to make gossip holy. When gossip, according to Scripture, is a sin. You, you don't go around spreading talk about the failures of other people. They are God's servant. He's their judge. They're accountable to him, not you. And that's part of what he means by love covering a multitude Of since sometimes we Christians are our own worst enemies when it comes to just broadcasting out in public everything and anything, haven't learned just to keep our mouth closed. Is that getting practical enough? So the first word is love. And by the way, covering a multitude of sins, doesn't the Bible teach us that the blood of Jesus covers our sin? So that when God looks at us, rather than seeing our sins, he sees the blessed sacrifice of our blessed Lord, and therefore we are blessed with eternal life. Aren't you thankful he covers your sin? Then why don't you cover some other people's sin with love? Jesus said the greatest commandment of all the commandments is to love God and love others. He said people will know you are my follower by how you treat other, you know, paraphrase, how you love other Christians, how you treat other Christians. Now what does it mean in practical terms to love? Well, the next two verses and then next two words and over the weeks to come, we're just going to look at some of the practical applications of what it means to love one another, love other followers of Christ. And the next word is in verse 9. So let's look at verse 9 and then I'll give you the word. Verse 9, be hospitable to one another without complaint. I use the word connect. Connect. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. Now, when you and I think of hospitality, here's what we normally think of. You're going to have a dinner party. You're gonna have your Sunday school class over. You got some people coming in from out of town, and some of you ladies work yourselves crazy every time that happens. Getting the house perfect and the meal perfect, because in our culture hospitality is how we entertain people. But in Scripture and in this Greek word, that's not it. Oh, entertaining people in your house can be part of it. But it is so much more than that. Do you know know what it literally means? This word literally means to be friendly to strangers. Friendly to strangers. Now, here's, here's the oddity. Think about that. This word, are you listening? This word means to be friendly to strangers, and yet he's using it in the context of the church. And he says, be hospitable to one another. Be friendly to strangers, one another. Remember a few minutes ago I said something? I said, you don't know everybody in this room. New people show up at this church every Sunday. There are strangers in this church every Sunday. Strange to you. You don't know them. You don't know them. And the Bible is saying, as, as a follower of Christ, one of the practical ways you express love to the body of Christ, to the people of God, is then you connect with, reach out to, stretch your love out to, by connecting with, by being hospitable to the friendly, being friendly to the strangers, those in the household, those of the one another that you do not already know. Have you connected with anybody new this morning? Someone you didn't already know. Now, it it, it includes opening our homes, having Sunday school classes over for parties and socials. It it includes having the missionaries stay in your house when we do our Impact Missions Conference. It also includes inviting new members to dinner at your house. It includes inviting new members to lunch on Sunday. Inviting your neighbors to dinner. It includes fellowship. When you you show up at church on Sunday and there's your buddy and there's your friend and you love them and you have great fellowship, it includes that. that. That's included in hospitality, being friendly. You know, Fellowship with those that we already know and we love. But being friendly to strangers means on Sunday morning, you see someone you don't know, what do you do? When you show hospitality, it means you go over and make a connection with them. It means you go over and introduce yourself. It means you leave this side of the room and go to that side of the room. You leave this part of the church and you go over to this part of the room and you connect with somebody you don't know on Sunday morning. That's biblical hospitality. That's biblical fellowship. And, and I want to ask you, what, what do you do when you see people you don't know on Sundays at church? What do you do? What should you do? Well, if you know what you should do and you don't do it, why do you not do it? I'm going to give you a goal, okay? I'm going to give you a goal. That every Sunday, your your goal, every single Sunday at this church, your goal every single Sunday is to take the initiative and introduce yourself to one person you don't know. Now, let me ask you. What did Jesus do when he emptied himself, left heaven, and came to this earth to die on that cross? He walked across the universe. He walked from one side of the room to the other side. He walked from one place in the building to another place in the building for somebody who didn't know him yet, for you. Made a connection. And therefore you have a relationship with him and you're saved because of it. And he says, now what I expect you to do is to have my agape love, my kind of love that looks out and sees people and says they matter. And one of the practical ways I express that love is I get out of my space and out of my group and I meet new people. I build relationships with new people. I connect with new people. You see, do you know that that, that every church thinks it's a friendly church? You, you, you can go to churches that have been dying for years, for decades, and they think they're a friendly church because they are friendly to one another and don't realize they're oblivious to anybody who's a stranger. God says Christian love, love for one another, love for fellow believers means you take the initiative, you make the move, you go and connect, you go and introduce yourself to someone You don't know. And and let me ask you, if we don't do that, how can we say we're a loving church toward new people? It's just words. So the goal is for each and every one of us to meet at least one person we don't already know Every single Sunday. Make that your mission in the lobby. Make that your mission when you come into this room is to meet someone new, connect with. them. Because the truth is, as followers of Christ, we need community. We need connections. We need relationships. It's hard to do life alone. And in our culture, it's getting even harder to do the Christian life alone. And if someone works up the courage and the heart to show up here, they need to be loved. Not ignored. And notice he says at the end of verse 9 to do it how? Uh-oh. Without complaining, without grumbling. Every ministry is important, but let, let me just say, there is no ministry in this church any more important than the welcome ministry of this church. But it is not enough for us to have an official welcome ministry, quote-unquote. Every person in this church needs to treat it like a family reunion and you're so excited to to meet that cousin you've never met before. (laughs) You're so excited to meet that baby that's just been born into the family that you've never seen before. Every Sunday you should be eager to meet somebody you don't already know. That's christian love that's loving one another in the house of god all right third word verse 10 is the word serve verse 10 he says as each one has received a special gift employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of god now you may not know this But in the Greek language, there's there's a very specific word for gift, doma, doma. It's the word for gift. That word is not used in this verse. The word charisma, a grace gift, an expression of a gift of the grace of God. What the Bible is saying is that our spiritual gifts and our talents as believers are gifts from God, to us. They are expressions of his love for us and his family, his body. And when he in love gives us these gifts, gives us these skills, gives us these talents, it is so we can then in turn express his love to others in the family by utilizing those talents, by utilizing those gifts, by utilizing those skills to serve others to serve members of the family to serve the people that you were looking at a moment ago when you were looking all around this room he says each one every believer has a gift every believer has talents and he says each one who has these gifts these talents is to employ them Use them, minister through them, don't hide them. Put them to work as good stewards, as good managers because they don't belong to us, they belong to God. He's simply sharing them with us for the benefit of others and this word translated steward or manager is a specific word that referred to a servant who managed the personal affairs of someone else. And so whatever talents you and I have, whatever skills, whatever spiritual gifts we have, they are gifts from God. They actually belong to Him. And in the grace of God, we are to use them the way He says, and that is to serve others, to benefit others, to bless others. Their expressions, He says, of the manifold, varied, many expressions of God's love. We all have different gifts, different talents, And by the way, one of the ways you discover what your talents and gifts are is to get in there and just get busy and try stuff. And you'll figure out, I enjoy this, I don't enjoy that. I'm good at this, I'm not good at that. Hey, people respond when I do this, they don't respond when I do that. Because if you've got a gift, people are going to respond. If they're not responding, something's amiss. And you're never going to discover your spiritual gifts and talents until you just throw yourself into the work and you find out what you're really good at and what you really enjoy. You just got to get in there and do it. Some of it's learning by trial and error. And I I know there are people in this room who say, I I don't have any gifts, I don't have any talent." Yeah, yeah, you do. One of the the talents that's needed as much as any talent in this church is people who are just really outgoing and friendly, getting out there and meeting people every Sunday at the doors and in the parking lot and standing up in this room and looking around. Hey, I don't know that person before the service starts. You run over and meet them. Using your gift of your gift of uh, your personality, all that God's created you to be, put it to use. Put it to use, serving the people of God. Now, not not doing that, not using your talents and your gifts to serve God's people, in one sense, is a selfish decision, isn't it? Because God's given it to you as a way to show love to others. And so God wants you to put that out there. Love them by serving them. I, I titled this sermon, I haven't shown it to you yet, but I, I titled this sermon, One Another Before Me. It's like getting out of that beach chair and playing with your grandson on the boogie board out in the water, you, have, you enjoy it. Now, part of you still won't sit back there and rest and read the book, but you enjoy it. You just got to get there. And sometimes serving God's a little bit, just a little bit tiring, just a little bit inconvenient. That's okay. Okay. Any of, any, of, any of you know what a, what a, a, a pew warmer is? Huh? Yeah. You know what a few warmer is? Yeah, some of you do. I want you to look at verse 12. I'm going to come back to that. He said, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing as though some strange thing were happening to you. He said, don't be surprised when life is hard, when the world doesn't get you, doesn't understand, when people make fun of you, persecute you, disagree with you. Don't, don't, don't be surprised when the culture doesn't line up with what God says. There are going to be fiery trials. And let's just be candid. It's, it's a little bit tougher today for those of us who believe the Word of God and want to live according to the dictates of Scripture than it was a few years ago, Right? And I got news for you, it's not going to get any better here in in the good old U.S. of A. I don't care who the president is, it's not going to get any better because this world is of Satan. We're strangers in this place, pilgrims. Our home is where? Heaven. You'll hear a lot of uh, combat soldiers. All soldiers, but especially those who actually serve in in battle. Talk about the, the bond they have with those who were in battle with them. And when you, when you listen to their stories, they'll often describe it like a family. Some will even say that we're closer than family. I was watching a documentary recently and one former Marine served in Korea, when he started talking about some of those guys, and it's amazing how many names he still remembered. They're from New York, from Wisconsin, from Georgia. He could name the cities. He could, he, 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 he could tell you all about them. They were in those foxholes together. And from time to time, he'd tear up talking about the bond he had with those brothers. You know, a, a pew warmer A pew warmer in church is like a soldier in the foxhole that won't fire his gun with you against the enemy. A pew warmer in church, he's he's like the soldier in the foxhole and you run out of ammo and he won't share any of his. A pew warmer in the church, he's like a a soldier in the foxhole with you and your buddy gets wounded and he's not going to risk his life any at all to rescue him. He'll leave him behind. The church doesn't need pew warmers. It needs real soldiers who will get into the spiritual conflict that's going on in this world. The church needs men and women who say, I care about the people in this church and I'm I'm going to go over there and meet that new person that I don't know and build a relationship with him because he's my brother, she's my sister and that's what Jesus wants me to do. And I need them just like they need me. See, the the true depth of Christian love in a church is not just how well we love those that we've known forever, but how well do we love those that we haven't even met yet or we just did meet. I want you to look around the room again, okay? Go ahead. Just look around again. We're all in the same boat. (laughs) Go ahead and look at each other. What's God saying to you? What's the Holy Spirit saying to you? And are you able to do verse 9 without complaining? Are you able to do verse 9 without complaining? When we sing this next hymn, our invitation song, You're welcome to kneel at this altar and pray. Pray about your role in this church, your your service. Your, are, are you finding ways? Are you, are you just getting in there? Over in, I don't have time, but over in chapter 5, verse 5, he talks about us showing humility toward one another. The Greek word there is the picture of a servant who puts on his apron and just gets busy. You know, it's like the, the wife in the kitchen at the stove puts on the apron. The guy out at the grill puts on the apron. And you just start cooking. You, you just get busy. Some of you need to put on the apron and just get busy doing something for Jesus. Just need to put it on, put on the apron, tie it on, and get to work. Maybe you need to kneel here and pray about that. Maybe there's a brother or sister you need to forgive. Maybe you need to pray about. Your thought process is your attitude when it comes to new people on Sundays and the effort you make to go meet new people every single Sunday. When somebody new walks into your Sunday school class, the effort you make to go over and meet them and sit with them because they're, they're new and they don't know anybody, and you're going to sit with them and take care of them, and afterward you're going to invite them to go to lunch with you because that's Christian hospitality. That's an expression of love. And if you're lost and have never reciprocated the love of Jesus, when Jesus was on that cross, he stretched he stretched his love. He, listen, he stretched it all the way from heaven to your heart. And, and he's standing here with his arms stretched out to you today and inviting you to come and, and let him embrace you, let him hug you, let him love you, let him welcome you. And those of you who are not Christians, I'm asking you when we sing this song to come to the front where pastors will be and say today I want to embrace the love of Jesus. Today I want to be saved. Today I'm reciprocating. I'm responding to his love. He stretched it out to me and now I'm stretching it back to him.